Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. I'm excited about today's episode because we're talking about finances today, all right? And you guys know I love talking about finances. You guys know I love diving into these topics, especially parts of finances that we haven't spoken about before on the podcast. So just stay tuned. We're about to get into it. We're going to introduce our guest right now. He is the owner of the Marathon Group. He is a licensed broker, and he's also known as the Finance Plug. All right. We're going to get into how he got that name and uh, everything that he does. Right. So welcome to the podcast, my brother Rico Ramirez. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, Chris. How you doing, man? Man, I'm blessed and well. Thank you for jumping on the podcast. And I also want to say thank you for always supporting the platform. Um, Rico is one of the guys since day one that's always supported the platform, which was just which is like liking, commenting, or reposting, sharing, getting people to know more about the Latin Wealth uh, platform. So we really appreciate that. And not only that, he is in the financial space. So we definitely wanted to highlight him, bring him on so he can share some information with you guys. Um, it's going to be a dope episode. So yeah, thank you, bro. We, I really, really appreciate you. Every single repost, like, it, it means the world to me for sure. No, man, you know, foremost, we got to support our own, right? Yeah. And the thing is, is if we're not supporting us, then who's going to support us? So you guys dropped some dope information. Uh, you know, you got some dope content that's coming out. People come on and just gave some gems. So, yeah. man, I just want to make sure that everyone has the availability and able to, you know, accessibility to hear this stuff. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into, you know, uh, your story and whatnot and the finances, I know scrolling on your page, um, it seems like one of your favorite artists is Nipsey Hustle. Um, you know, you're the, the owner, the, the company that you own is called the Marathon Group, which is super dope. The reason why I bring it up, because Nip is one of my favorite artists all time. You know, when I when they yeah. ask me what my top five is, he's in my top five. Right. So uh, yeah. I want to know what did Nip mean to you? You know, what are some things that you learned from him that you applied to your life? Um, and yeah, what what makes him, you know, what I'm saying an artist that you gravitate to so much? So for me, uh, Nip was more of a, he was symbolic. He was yeah. a representation of uh, what we could be and what we aspire to be for mm -hmm. people that come from, you know, certain neighborhoods that we come from. We don't have a lot of exposure. Right. Um, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities and things that are presented to us. But Nip showed us that, you know, just through, uh, you know, just through applying knowledge and, and, and self-taught knowledge in many cases, you know, and just seeing him being able to rise levels, becoming an owner of his own brand, started branding himself and then started integrating himself. You know, he was vertically, he was literally vertically integrated into a lot of different businesses. So, right. and if you listen to his music, he was actually providing kind of like the blueprint to get to where yeah. you want to go. So for yeah. me, he's super influential. Uh, the world's at still at a great loss. Um, obviously without him around. So for me, he was super influential and just the things I would listen. A lot of people just listen to the music, but yeah. for me, he was like speaking and giving me like, bro, this is how you do it. You take this and go talk mm -hmm. about this and this, and, you know, he even mentioned life insurance in one of his songs. Yeah. Man. So it's, you know, everything he, he, he meant a lot. He represented, um, coming from the struggle and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, superseding that and being successful, triumphant as a person. 
Yeah, I love that. It's crazy because like you said, listening to his music, a lot of people just just listen to the sound. But if you listen to and read what he's really saying, it's like he's definitely leaving out a message for the people. Right. And I almost think of it as reading a book. You know, sometimes when you read a book two times, three times, you always pick up something new. Same thing with his music. Like I listen to some of his songs. I'm like, damn, that that hits different in my current life, you know, where I'm at in life. So, um, yeah, rest in peace. Definitely one of my favorite artists. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Definitely symbolic. Of, I like what you said, of what we can aspire to be. And I also love that he was just always real and authentic and true to himself. Right. And wherever he 100%. was at, he was he was himself. And I love that. And a lot that of people, was one of the things that. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was going to say that's one of the, I agree with you. That's one of the things that pushed me to really love his music and love him as a person is because, you know, regardless of like gang affiliation or whatever yeah. people feel or whatever, but it's like, you know, that's the reality we grow up in. Mm-hmm. Right. So to see somebody that looks like us and do what, what yeah. he did and then say, Hey, I'm crossing all barriers. Yeah. I'm in business. I don't care about red, blue. I don't care about any of that. Yeah. I love my brothers. Like it's just super, super influential, man. And that's, that's where the marathon group actually came from. Yeah. I love, the company. I love that. I love that. And it's funny. Cause there's a clip. It's like a six minute interview with him in a news station out in LA. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's funny because he, again, Nip is himself. He's in a dressed way he dressed and he's going to talk the way he talks. And, you know, these newscasters, they, you know, they talk the way they talk. So it was just an interesting dynamic of the conversation they can have. But he still, um, you know, being himself really, his light was shining in that conversation. And they were really taken back of who they were talking to is what, what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, rest in peace, Nip. Definitely very influential. I had to ask about that. But I also wanted to ask about, man, where, where did the name, the finance plug, come from man i really want to know where this nickname came from <laughs> talk to us yeah so that nickname came from um just being in finances so man you know i grew up in a situation that was just like a lot of people's right yeah, talk um, about it a little, bit, a little bit disadvantaged all right um parents not around all the time there were some things that you know you saw when you were growing up a lot of drugs prostitutes yeah. different things right so you where's know, your family from? My, so originally we're from puerto rico yep yeah yeah and so, you know, just seeing different things, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of opportunities. And, and by the way, I, I want to say before I continue, uh, prayers up for Puerto Rico, because they're going yep. through something extremely difficult right now. So I yep. want to say that we got famine, everything that's out there, we're praying up for that. But um, yeah, bro. So, I, you know, moving through that space, I always just kind of had an affinity. I played sports, so I was blessed to be able to like go into um, you know, I guess they say across the tracks and go into different homes and see different things. And while yeah. the other kids were running around, I would ask the parents like, Hey, how'd you get this? Mm-hmm. I see paintings and I see cars and I, you know, and they talk to me about credit and finances and, and, and entrepreneurship and all these things. And I'm just sitting like in my head, I was yeah. young, but I was adding it all up. So I got into finances really early and got good at it. Mm-hmm. And like the age of 13, 14, I started diving into, um, I didn't actually have a stock uh obviously a, a stock account or, or a trading account or anything but it was a fake one right and, I, and so i learned about like charts and all these different things and you know progressing to high school and people were like they would come to me and ask me hey my dad so i would sit down with people's parents and i'd be like hey did you see this trend and so i would help people's parents with their stocks and so my bad bro. i don't i don't want to cut you off but you said you started at 14 yeah 
bro that is nuts that's crazy bro that's that's a huge yeah. lesson right now i mean i mean at 14 i was thinking about sports and that was it you know what i'm saying so you that man no i mean too me too yeah. me too you know what it was yeah. you know what it was though it was like i don't know why but something in me was like i knew i couldn't like i knew sports was good and i was i was a good basketball football player mm -hmm. I, I ran track i was good at sports really good i went to you know college on a basketball scholarship but it's like you know i knew that the chances of doing that in the long run mm -hmm. were slim like i was good but i knew like yo i you never know right, right. And, but i saw these other people making money and i'm like oh dude i could do this and i you know so i just kind of hung on to it bro mm. that's what's yeah. up so you said some of your friends parents they were coming to you and they're asking you questions talk to us about that so i had a friend of mine um and we were in economics class and we had this type of some type of project right and and it, we had to kind of scale it against the the way the market was going for real mm -hmm. and it just so happened of course i i like did best on the project and my and my games was like crazy and the mm -hmm. teacher was like how'd you do this and i was like i, I studied the charts and they're mm -hmm. like what and so that one of my friends was in that class we're at his house one day and his dad was like tripping because i guess he had lost some money or something and then he's like and the guy the kid was like hey dad you know you should ask rico and he's like ask no kid about it. he's mm -hmm. like nah you should ask rico so he's like what do you know about this and he gave me the wall street journal and we and i started going through some stuff and and you know just talking about the different trends you know you know calls and puts and stuff he was like hang on mm -hmm. he's like okay so what does this look like and then you know lo and behold this was around the time google everything i mean i'm telling my age but google stuff was getting more popular and stuff so i had him take a position and within like a month he had gained mm -hmm. a substantial amount of money it was like over ten thousand dollars and so he was like yo and he like put me on with his friends so his friends they all had this kind of like stock club or something and then he was he started bringing me like to the meetings he's like hey you know can you can you help talk to my friends or whatever and they were kind of like in disbelief he's like no just listen and then people started getting money so then all that carried over and the kids started just being like yo he's he the plug like that's the plug for like yeah. finance stuff, right so you know out of their makings whatever they would make whatever the parents would just give me like a little you know mm -hmm. a little bread out of a little money and like hey it was obviously i wasn't making like right, crazy right. money but it was something you know and so everybody was like yo when it comes to finances that was the plug and it just kind of carried in college because i used to help my friends you know get their self set up we, we set up um mm. you know um etf accounts and we're just and it's just all this stuff right mm. and that all led to me i was going to get my series six uh and six six and my series seven and i was like yo i want to work for merrill lynch because they were really mm. big back then. Eric jones merrill lynch i was like yo you don't even see one of none of us like right. think about it like you know and moreover and after like you know like going into right. that space that's crazy man so talk to us about your parents you know what what were they thinking when you were getting into finance at 14 and i mean you mentioned yourself that you know your family's from puerto rico you know they probably grew up a little bit more rough um what what, what did they think about you getting into finance at that age and did they see it as something that they can do themselves was it you know talk to us about you know their support that they had for their child going into finance um I mean, you know, and this is no shade to anybody. I think right. let this be 
motivation to people. Uh, my parents didn't support me. Um, yeah. My dad just really wasn't around like that. And then my mom was really busy, you know, yeah. God rest her yeah. soul, my mom passed, but she was really busy at that time. And um, she was trying to provide, right? Yeah. And she was doing the best that she could. So she didn't really, you know, there was no really kind of support like that. I had my yeah. grandparents, but there was never really any like family support or anything about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were really surprised. Um, there was like a, you know, a write-up or something about me and doing some stuff, whatever. And they were just kind of like, surprised about it so yeah. there wasn't really any support but you know they were doing the best that they could my mom was working and she worked a lot so yeah you know I, I get that so no 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 I love that so I'm curious what kept you going through all that like maybe you didn't see the support uh maybe it was the the money that you were getting what was the what made you keep going um through high school and college to want to continue to want to do that and especially you talking so, about Merrill Lynch, that you didn't see anybody that remotely looked like you in there. Like, what made you want to go down that path? Um, honestly, it was the representation, bro. It yeah. was to want to do something better. You don't see us in spaces, right? And I've always kind of be kind of been socially aware of mm-hmm. what you see and what you don't see. Right. And I want to give back too, you know. So it was like. We don't see this in the hood. Like, you know, really, who you see that's successful is drug dealers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pimps, all these different types of people. You don't see doctors, lawyers, engineers. You don't see uh, finance people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so, yeah, yeah. you know, for, I was just, just going to say, so that, so that motivated me, you know, to just keep going, to try to be that example for people because there might be, there's other people that want to, reach and attain this stuff, but maybe they don't have the blueprint, right? So maybe I I can, you know, out of that, of this jungle or of this, whatever these trees, there's like the mm-hmm. promised land, right? Mm-hmm. So how are you gonna get there? You gotta use a machete and you gotta chop all this stuff down. So I just want to be the type of person in my neighborhood or my community to be able to do that and then provide the way, a clear way for somebody after me, honestly. That's how I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, dope. So after college, uh, what school did you go to um, and then, you know, what happened after college? Like, what did you get into? What was the next step for you? So I went to the University of Houston. Okay. Um, I was going to say go Cougs uh, mm-hmm. in Houston, Texas. So I did that, played basketball, um, got out of there, went went pro in Argentina. Really? And I was playing basketball. Yeah. And um, hurt my knee like a year and a half in, hurt my knee. And it was just kind of like dang, what now, you know, but obviously I'm, I'm my degree that I got in college. Um, I actually, I didn't get a financing degree. I, mm-hmm. I was like going to do it. And I ended up just, I ended up getting a chemical engineering degree because mm-hmm. I knew that you could get a job and I was just, just kind of like, you know, yeah. whatever. And so I got into, I came back and I got into engineering, but I, at the same time, I was always still in my stocks and I was still helping people. And mm-hmm. I was still like, you know, in that in that mindset of doing uh, finances. And so I never stopped doing it. But at the same time, I was I got you know, life happens. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I had my son and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, life happens. So things happen. And I started focusing on engineering super heavily. Um, and I would just kind of piddle with the finances. Um, and like I said, until I actually stumbled into I don't know how it happened. Some it was a primarica person and they mm-hmm. had talked to me about just, you know, whatever, whatever. And um, and I was like, finances, you know, like 
life insurance. And so I got, I ended up that led me into that path. So mm-hmm. there was nothing financial about what I was doing when I got out of college. Like I was basically trying to be someone like everyone else. Yeah. Focused in on just providing and making sure I could pay the bills once I got done playing basketball, right? And making sure yeah. that I could just, you know, we keep food on the table and working. And then it led into, you know, later on and yeah. back into finance. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So that's a good segue. Um, I definitely want to get into something that's not spoken about very much in our community, which is finance. And there's definitely platforms out there that are doing a phenomenal job of having these conversations, but we need more people, right? You and I spoke about this. We need more people having these conversations. We need more representation. Um, and we need to have these conversations more oftentimes in our household. And to go even further more than that, more specifically about life insurance, um, this is not a conversation that I had growing up, and I'm sure it's not a conversation that a lot of people had growing up about life insurance. Um, when you think about finances, it's probably some fear factor that's a- attached to it, right? Some fear conversation around that. It's not always about strategies and whatnot. What specifically can you do to improve our financial situation? So. I would love uh, for us to get into that. You know, it may not be the sexiest thing to talk about when you talk about finances, uh, but it's probably one of the most yeah. important and a very critical thing when talking about building wealth is life insurance. So yeah. the floor is yours, man. I want you to break down what life insurance Thank is, um, you know, for those that don't know what it is and, you know, how does it work? What is the benefit, man? Break it down. And so the people can understand what it is if they don't know. Okay. Yeah. And first and foremost, a lot of people, when it comes to, just as you said with finances, it's not the most sexiest thing to talk about, but I feel like a lot of people's mindsets are limited on life insurance. Mm -hmm. So what life insurance is, is basically right. A warranty or a contract between you and a company, they call them life insurance carriers and they're betting on you living, right? So that you don't get to, because the majority of life insurance policies are what they call term policies. They're usually, you know, they're in place for up to 30 years. Mm-hmm. But if you get one at 20, at 50, you're still living and you still got 40 years to live. And so they're right. So the, the life insurance carrier is betting on you living because all that money you put into that, right, into that policy, it just goes to them and you didn't use it because you didn't pass, which is, you're happy about that too, mm-hmm. but they're even more happier, right? Because they got the money. Um, and then of course you're paying into it. And so you would be, this sounds kind of morbid, mm-hmm. but you're betting on you dying mm-hmm. because in your family, right? That's generational yeah. wealth exchange. And that's the easiest way for people. Actually, when it comes to them talking about generational wealth now, we could sit down and we could talk about being diversified with your crypto portfolio, you know, understanding tokenomics with crypto, um, getting into stocks, understanding mutual funds, all these different things, which is great. And I call those rooms inside of your financial home. Mm-hmm. But the basis of that financial home, the foundation should always be life insurance. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, is because it's extremely, extremely affordable. Right. And a lot of people don't know that, but it's extremely affordable and it places you and your family right and future generations to come in a good position so you know when it comes to life insurance most people don't talk about it because no one wants to talk about death and things like that Mm -hmm. but life insurance has evolved man so much since the days of of you know the 80s and the 70s and and even the 90s 
there's life insurance now that's made for you while you're living, right? There's things called living benefits that you get in a permanent policy that, you know, if you happen to get, um, let's say a heart attack, stroke or cancer, these are things that happen to people when you can't work, that policy will pay you monthly, mm-hmm. right? So you can help to pay your mortgage, pay your car notes or whatever you have. That's, that's actually comes from a life insurance policy. Yeah. And then, you know, leading into the next steps, I won't go super deep or technical into it, but you know, to be honest, life insurance is great also for, uh, you know, for there's, there's tax sheltering purposes. There's people, if you, if you're hearing the craze about infinite banking, that's available as well with life insurance, you know, becoming your own bank your own, or family bank, uh, you know, building out a trust with these, with these policies to where you can put money into the life insurance, leverage that money, borrow against it. Right. And, and put it into real estate or whatever else it is that mm-hmm. you're into. And you still have that money accruing interest and, and the interest that that money is accruing is much higher because people always talk about, you know, what have we been taught, bro? Mm-hmm. We're taught to, uh, you know, go to go to high school, go to college, you get out, you get a good job and you work for 30 to 40 years. Right. And you work for those 30 to 40 years to end up just using 40 percent of your income in your, in your retirement year. So you're kind of limited in your cap. A lot of people go through, uh, what do we do? We save in banks, mm-hmm. we save in 401ks. There's all these various different things that we use, right? But we're getting not as much, right? On, on the interest side or on, or on the accrual, on the accumulation. So in a bank, I was talking about this the other day, Chris, and it's crazy. I was with my friends and he was looking at, um, <laughs> he got, he's looking at his, on his phone, he's looking at the app. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I just got my interest payment and it was three cent. <laughs> and he was like, Yo, what is the purpose of this? And I'm like, man, that's the banks. That's how they work, you know? And yeah. so yeah. we have to understand as a people how to take our money, put it into something, right? That's That can be leveraged and, and grow additional interest. And just there's a lot more information about it. And obviously mm-hmm. uh, you, you go more in depth and you start to understand a little bit more about it. But Life insurance in itself is the basis of the way the wealthy remain wealthy. And a lot of people don't know that. Okay. Okay. So there's a couple of things that I want to break down. So you mentioned early on that it's affordable. So I want to hit that. I want to give us some numbers on how it's affordable, like how much it costs. Um, And I'm curious if you can break down maybe some different places where people can go and even start to get this life insurance, right? They might not have any directions. I know there's different companies. Are there maybe different programs? Are there different apps? You know what I'm saying? Like for instance, Robinhood, if you, it's a very easy app for you to go on there to invest in stocks, right? So is there something out there like that for life insurance? If not, you know, let us know um, and talk to us about some numbers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Maybe you like, you know, what is it? What's the interest rate? um yeah for life let's we'll, we'll we'll definitely get into that um let's start off with the affordability yeah you know most people are going to tell you and the reason why they don't have it is because um uh, it's a trick or it doesn't pay out or however whatever here's the thing if you speak with a licensed professional and that person puts you in you know they sit down and have a conversation with you um and they apply what we call right uh, suitability factor the suitability factor says i'm going to sit down with a client and I'm not going to put them in anything that is above what they can handle. Mm-hmm. Now, 
numbers wise let's say you have a kid and you're going to put the kid everyone's heard of gerber right you got the gerber plans and these things you put your kids on let's say that you have a child and you want to cover that child that child can be like three bucks a month maybe mm -hmm. two an adult can have coverage for life insurance you know healthy adult can have coverage for 25 30 bucks a month maybe 15 just depends on you know height weight some of these things vary okay but for the most part, you're not looking at it anymore. The younger you start, the cheaper the insurance is. Oh, that's interesting. So they're looking at like, okay, is this the healthy person? This person gonna live a long time? Okay, we'll lower the rate. If this is someone that's Correct. maybe at risk, it's gonna maybe be a little higher. Okay, wow. And the reason, exactly. And the reason they do that is this is a still a business, right? So the insurance company is looking at it as, I have a longer period of time with this younger, healthy person paying premiums. So we're going to get more money over the life of this person versus it could be someone at the exact same age as that person, but they had a lot of health issues and they're like, huh, the mortality rate, right? So the likelihood or probability of them dying is, is, is higher. Mm. So you're going to have to pay more insurance because we're probably going to pay out to you before we pay out to that healthy person. And that's the difference between prices. So a lot of people don't know they're walking around healthy and, and happy it's not going to cost a lot of money. Mm. Wow. So, man, that's crazy. So break down. So essentially what people, I just want to make it super easy for people out there to understand. So you're putting sure. essentially money in a bucket and you mentioned that you can pass it on to the next generation. Can you break down how sure. that process works? And we're definitely going to get into, sure. I want to, you hit on infinite banking. We're going to get into that um yeah i'm curious about that but if we can if we can touch on like you know you're putting money into this bucket and people are like man i don't see the bent i'm not getting a benefit right now and you mentioned there are some premiums out there or some policies out there that allow you to get benefits now but for the most part people are thinking i'm mm -hmm. not i'm not going to see this money so speak to us on how sure. it can you can transfer that along to the next generation sure yeah, so a lot of people don't understand the point of beneficiaries. When you're filling out a life insurance policy, there's something that's called a beneficiary and a contingency beneficiary. Mm. So let's say you got young kids um, and you're going to name them to be the beneficiary. And most life insurance policies, right, the person, if something happens to you, God forbid, but if something happens, um, those kids wouldn't be able to receive that money until they're 18 years of age. So what we put in would be a contingency beneficiary, which means that person is standing in a stead. So if the children are younger, right, if they're younger or something happened to those kids and they're not available, the contingency person would be the person that would be the beneficiary. Mm. So it basically allows you to set up to where your family, it's ensured that your family is going to get this money and that, you know, the benefit of you placing your money, like you said, into that bucket is going to mm. pass on to the next generation. Got you um so you mentioned you know getting life insurance policies for young kids what age can you yeah. start them off at and if we can hit on like where can you go to you know get one of these policies sure, sure. um so you can actually start a life insurance policy on a child at 14 days of age well so people always ask when's the best time to start it off from the very beginning the yeah, rates are never going to be better they're super healthy, right? They're just born. And, you know, at the, by the time they're 18, you could see substantial gains. You should see wins inside of po certain policies 
or that person is, you know, that child by the time they're 18, that policy is, is covered and you can transfer ownership. So, you know, that's something that's major as well. A lot of people don't know that for sure, because they, they have a they have apps that you can go online and stuff like that. The problem with that is, is a lot of times when you do some generalized uh, quote searching, it's not specific enough to you and your individual needs. So that's why I always tell people sit down with a licensed yeah. professional that's going to sit with you and walk you through the process and get something that's applicable for you and, and something that's best for you, not just, you know, cookie cutter, because yeah. this is this is very individualized. Yeah, absolutely. OK, dope. So that's great information. So now I'm curious about how the wealthy leverages life insurance. And you mentioned infinite banking. You mentioned generation yeah. to generation. That's how the wealthy stay wealthy yeah how are they leveraging yeah. the life insurance you know what can we learn you know what can our community learn from them so we can apply yeah. it to our families sure um you know and this is something that i actually love teaching we have weekly seminars and things to teach people um these seminars are free we actually go into just talking about oh. you know how to break down this infinite banking breaking down the policies in which you can start to build interest but um, the way the wealthy has been, and they've been doing this for, for quite some time, but the way the wealthy is actually using these policies is, is they're putting money into it because it's a tax shelter. A lot of people don't know that um, these permanent policies and the money that's inside of these policies are, is never taxed. Mm. Okay. Any gains, as long as you stay, there's a, there is a, a ceiling that you have to stay under, but as long as you stay within the rules, essentially, that money is non-taxed, the non-tax entity. Wow. So you'll have someone, the rich that, you know, what they do is they'll get, you know, 20 of these policies and they'll individually put a million dollars into each one of these policies and it's accruing interest. Okay. And it's, and literally the interest rate um, starts at like 12 and a half percent. It can go up. There's some, there's some that don't even have, uh, you know, caps. Really? So they're gaining interest like crazy. And then they're borrowing against that money. They're not actually taking that money mm, out right so yeah, that's how they that. become their own bank they borrow against their own money right and and so when they when they're paying in, in a loan it's called a policy loan when they pay that money back they're paying themselves back and so you've essentially just created credit for yourself you just became your own bank and then speaking of banks themselves and this is something that people have to understand Whenever you create an infinite banking concept or you create this, this you know, concept and you're doing this with, with life insurance, um, you're essentially doing what the banks do. There's a website and we show people in our seminars. I sit and I show people. I go through Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo, um, J.P. Morgan Chase, the top three banks in America, right? Out of their total asset value of the bank themselves, they have 80% of their asset value in life insurance. It's called bank-owned life insurance. They take the revenues and the money that we put in, right? Us customers, we go deposit our money and right. And so they take that money and put it into these very same policies that we're teaching people about. So all you're doing when you start to get your own policy is you're removing the bank out of the way as the middleman. And you're making the money that the bank is usually making. Bank of America is number one right now. They have $24 billion in, in life insurance assets. And that's tax-free for them? Or is, that, is there a cap at some point for them? Tax-free money. 
It's, I mean, there's a, so there's a cap on the individualized policies. So what they do is you just get more policies. There's no limit of the amount of policies that you can have. So this is the way the wealthy are doing it and the way banks do it. And, you know, so this is, this is some pretty phenomenal stuff and we've just never been exposed to it, but you start to hear about it now with a lot of people that are talking about infinite banking and becoming your own bank and just understanding those concepts. Right. And like, what would happen if I put $50 a month or, 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 you know, $50 every two weeks, hundred dollars a month at the age of 20, you know, and then they show the rates basically at the end if you did it for 20 25 years and they compare that to the gains from the s p 500 and your money is higher than the s p 500 mm. so this is these are the things that you know that, that that's going on and it's a possibility for us and we just need the exposure so we're working on yeah. helping to do that for sure yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely and i love that so i know you guys are educating the people about things like yeah. infinite making infinite making and life insurance and whatnot but have you noticed outside of the community are they teaching that or is that like a secret like talk to me about that so i'll be honest um it's been a secret you know the the actual policy itself is called a rich man's roth mm. right like a roth ira yeah. So a lot of us know about Roth IRAs, you know, about 401ks, all these things. That's common knowledge. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are just now catching up and finding out about this because this has kind of been a secret. Mm -hmm. and, you know, no one, if we do this, what you're doing is you're handing over the power of the bank into the common man's hands. Mm -hmm. Like, just think about it. If you could just create your own bank, you didn't have to, you know, we talk about this all the time, but just think if you didn't have to go to the bank for a loan. What if you could loan money out from yourself? There's no more red tape. You know, you can, uh, you know, then leverage that into buying real estate. Real estate creates an additional revenue stream. That money goes back in and you can flip it again and go buy something else. Uh, maybe put some vending machines out or, you know, whatever. Merchant purchasing services. There's all these different things that goes on. But life insurance is the basis of where that income's coming from. And yeah. so. Oh, man. Yeah, that's. That's amazing. That's, that's crazy. So the crazy thing is, you know, a lot of people in our community or even just people in general, when they think about finances and they think of gains and they think, of, um, you know, they, they're looking for like the 20 percent, 50 percent gain, 100 percent gain, you know, these crazy numbers and whatnot. But the fact of the matter is you can probably sustain wealth a lot more longer if you go with with proven over a long period of time. I talk to a lot of people and they're like, man, I just, what can I do to make money right now? I'm like, well, why don't you go with the proven and simple way that's going to, like you said, it's, what you're doing is outpacing the S&P 500. I'm pretty sure the quick money that you're trying to get is not even outpacing the S&P. So why don't you go with something that is doing even better than that, right? So I think a lot of time people, they get that FOMO, they get that feeling of like, man, I need to hop on the, the dog coin to get this 500 sure. X sure. um, and which if you get in early and at a right time, that's great. But a lot of times the long-term play is what I recommend to people is it's what's most going to be most beneficial for you in your pockets. No, for sure. And I think that in a lot of cases, this is like when we sit down and have a conversation about, um, you know, delay gratification. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like delay gratification, but it's, it's, seriously like gonna take it to the point of how do i look holistically how do i look at my life mm -hmm. you know because 
you know, like you said, everyone wants now, now, now the 50x, you know, however, Dogecoin, whatever, however, right? And a lot of people go into crypto and they don't even study, uh, you know, tokenomics, but that's yeah. a whole nother subject. Let's talk about that. <laughs> later. But you just go into, you know, crypto, whatever, and you're just yeah. hoping for the best. Whereas this is, you know, substantiated information. These numbers are like facts. Yeah. And it's like, look at your foundation. Let this be your foundation. You know, if you're putting whatever your portfolio or your investment plan is, if you put in minimally here, right, into this foundation, I can actually create, and this is something that we like to do is, you know, come out and 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 show um, what we call an illustration. So it kind of just shows a projection of where you would be at a certain point in the future. And a lot of times when we sit down with those illustrations, people's minds are blown because they're like, dang, this is like, I'm not putting in a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And it still got me to this point. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's the power of compounded interest. Compounded. So as you said, you know, the delayed gratification and understanding that it's not about the right now money it's about longevity because you know you get you get it quick and then you lose it quick right so exactly exactly love that so we can we can start wrapping this thing up pretty soon um you mentioned earlier the foundation of a finance house you believe is life insurance if you can build this financial house man what what does it look like you got life insurance as the the base uh the foundation what's you know what are the walls what is the roof if you can if you can build it what does it look like for you so for me like i said yeah for me the 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 foundation of course is life insurance and then you got different rooms right um and the rooms obviously have their walls um different rooms would be for me real estate Mm -hmm. right uh most people know real estate another room is going to be crypto yeah okay um another room is going to be anything that's going to give you passive and residual income Mm -hmm. maybe it's a maybe it's a vending machine uh maybe it's a bitcoin atm somewhere Mm -hmm. amazon just came out with these lockers where people that live in rural areas you know you can (laughs) take your stuff and they deliver it there and instead of delivering it to their house you can own those type of things so that's the third room and usually for me it's like four rooms but the fourth room for me is is obviously stocks right i mean that's the kind of the you know mm-hmm. so but you want to make sure that you do your research you want to make sure that you understand the you know the risk you know and, and, and everything and you're not just going crazy into it but yeah that's how i look at it four rooms for me can make up a whole house and that house can be something super beautiful yeah and at the end of the day if everything else if the walls all fall in the house i still got the foundation that i can rebuild off of again so that's yeah. why life insurance is there because it's there and it's going to be there yeah so. i love that love that man anything else that you want to touch on in respect to life insurance or finances um you gave some really good information um is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to cover no i think um, I just want to make sure that people understand that obviously life insurance is affordable. Yeah. Not all types of life insurance are for everybody, um, but get with a licensed professional and, and, you know, let us help you out. Let the licensed professional walk you through, have a conversation with you and, you know, place you in something that's going to be good for you and your family because yeah. life insurance is an act of love, man. You know, it, it, it really is because even if you're just looking at it as traditional life insurance, you know, I pass and my family gets money. It's an act of love because, you know, you're doing it in the future for future people to take advantage of. So yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you. And before we wrap it up, you mentioned it earlier, man. Uh, we want to send huge prayers out to the island of Puerto Rico. We're both Puerto Ricans. So I wanted to take a quick second to read off some foundations that people can support. I know some people are looking for ways to support and send money and whatnot. You guys may have other ones out there. Feel free to support in any way you want. But if you guys look up on Instagram, some of these profiles, there's definitely some ways that you can support these the island of Puerto Rico. Um, Friends of Puerto Rico is one. Um, United Way to Puerto Rico is one. Uh, let's see. There is another one called World Central Kitchen. That seems like it's something that's uh, a global thing that they go in and help people out. And then you got one more. Let's go with Casa Pueblo in Puerto Rico. So check out those different foundations to help out Puerto Rico. There's it's obviously um, yeah, yes. the word, there's words can't describe you know how bad things are out there. So we definitely want to help and support our people as much as possible. Um, but without with that being said, just want to say thank you for coming on here, man, and giving that information about life insurance and finances and whatnot. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot myself. I got some work to do. Um, and I hope you guys took some notes. Share this episode with one other person or family member that needs to hear this episode. Uh, before we go, where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you if they have any more questions about life insurance? Yeah, no problem. You guys can find me on Facebook. Also find me on Instagram, Twitter as well. Rico Ramirez 86. Mm -hmm. So that's at Rico Ramirez 86. And yeah, shoot me a DM or any other things that you need. And I'll make sure to get back to you. Absolutely. And we'll definitely leave the links to your uh, Instagram and Facebook profile in the description of this podcast. You guys already know where to follow us at Latin Wealth on Instagram. And with that being said, it's your boy, Chris. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.